We're turning to the 10th chapter of Luke. We'll read the first uh, 24 verses of this chapter. You're going to be looking at specifically verse 20. But let's read these uh, verses of Luke 10, 1 to 24. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a house and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe uh, against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable in that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The seventy-two returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and reveal them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. 
All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. They turning to, then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You know, amen. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading from his own word. I guess the challenge for us this morning is the very words that Christ spoke here at verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus sent the 72 disciples. He sent them out with power and they preached. They healed the sick. They cast out demons. They declared the kingdom of God. But they ought first to rejoice their names were in heaven, Jesus says. Oh, they obviously did a good work. They had success. But they are not to forget what is of the greatest important. The greatest important is that they would know the work of God in their souls that they would know that God is at work in their lives. What is the best thing that can happen to you here on earth, on this side of heaven? It's this, that you have God. That you have God. That your contentment is found in having God meaning that your soul is saved and you have that promise of heaven, of eternal life, through faith alone in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ, ever looking to Calvary in the hope of the resurrection, alive from the dead in our Lord Jesus Christ, saved by the blood of the Lamb, knowing that you are loved by God and you love God, you have God. Therefore, your names are written in heaven. Peter writes in his first epistle about the hope of the gospel and the inheritance that we have as believers in Christ. An inheritance that never perished, boil or fade, kept in heaven for us, who through the power of God through faith, yes, through faith, and are shielded by the power of God till they come to the salvation that is revealed in the last time. That hope of Christ that we're in Him. Now, we note here in this 10th chapter that Jesus is sending out 72 disciples whom He gave power and authority and they're greatly gifted to perform miracles which they have done so. 
They preach the kingdom of God, as we see here referred to a couple of times in this chapter, verse, I think verse 9 and verse 11, they proclaim the kingdom of God. They went out, as it says in the opening verses, they are sent out ahead of Jesus to towns he was about to go to. So they went ahead of him and they proclaimed the kingdom of God. And they returned with this report, giving this report as they returned from their efforts, we would say. Well, that's the practice of the church, I think. We had someone from come over to help us here last Sunday morning, a missionaries who come and report to the church what the Lord is doing in their ministry and that's a great encouragement for the church. Know that God is at work in other places. And it's an encouragement, such as the report here. They did a great work, didn't they? A good report, great delight, wonderful success. And they said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Look what we've done. Look at how we have done such a work. 72 supernaturally empowered by God to go out and do such things. Such, such a blessing. And they come with joy. They're delighted in what they've done. But wait a minute. Jesus says, and gives a cautionary word. Jesus says in verse 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why did Satan fall? The cautionary note, because of pride. Satan was brought down. Oh yes, the event was a wonderful work of God. Yet the rejoicing was in themselves in a sense. They were to rejoice that their names were written in heaven. So let us just look at these verses, and in particular this 20th verse. Three thoughts I was thinking about as I pondered these things this past week. First, the certainty of heaven. Second, the cause of Christian rejoicing. And third, a caution to check your soul. The certainty of heaven. Heaven is your eternal home if you are in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. That's where our home is, in heaven. And heaven is forever, our everlasting home. Not built by the hands of man, but built by God himself. And it must be our number one priority. Things are going to get better as we think about heaven. Or not to forget about the eternal blessings that we have in Christ. We're always to fix our eyes on Christ and the hope we have in Him. Even as Jesus says here, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We quickly forget the promises and blessings that God offers to us in the scriptures and we get involved in ourselves and maybe in our own project, whatever it might be. And it's not wrong in that sense, but to think about the priorities. Oh, some have been greatly gifted, great speakers who 
confess many wonderful works, many miracles, yet they'll never go to heaven. Remember Judas Iscariot. He was one of the twelve and he was greatly gifted, I'm sure. But we know where he ended up. Jesus warns in the Sermon on the Mound, many will say to me on that day, that judgment day, the judgment day on which we all stand before God and give an account, that judgment day, on that day they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then it will tell you plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Oh, maybe they were followers in a way, greatly gifted, but cast out. What a word to hear from Jesus. I never knew you. And they were cast out, just like Jesus, Judas was cast into hell forever and ever. So here comes the returning disciples, thinking about themselves and the success, rejoicing in themselves, as it were. But the point is, they were to remember their names are in heaven. So heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place as well. That's why I read that account in the 16th chapter here in Luke about the rich man and Lazarus. Some suggest it's maybe a parable. Some suggest it really were such people because a certain man, a rich man, and a certain man, Lazarus. The point is, the teaching is there. The rich man, confident in his riches and content without God. That was his sin, you know. He was content without God. Ended up in hell and in torment. And it was true, he's still in torment over over 2,000 years in hell. But Lazarus, in misery, with sores and so on, but was content with God. And he found comfort. You see that in the 16th chapter, verse 25. Now he is comforted here. His affliction, but yet he was not without God. And he's in heaven now, comforted it. That comfort that the God of all comfort gives. That's the reality of heaven and hell. The certainty of heaven is taught in the scriptures. We believe it, don't we? There's a heaven. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven. Elijah was taken up to heaven. Various accounts in the scriptures speak about heaven. Stephen, when he was stoned, he looked up to heaven Heaven was open. He saw Jesus stand at the right hand of God. Christ left all glory. He came down and took upon himself our human nature. But yet he died and rose again and went back to heaven. The disciples saw him go up to heaven. And as he's gone to heaven, he's going to come again the same way. It's a real place. Oh, you know, some don't even think about heaven. I don't know. Some may think, well, yeah, that, that's a place. Uh, I think uh, I'm likely possibly going to go there when I die. But they have no time for God. They're without God. If you're without God, you're without hope, and you're going to end up in hell. That's what the Bible teaches. To be without God is a miserable condition to be in. 
even though a person might not realize it, like the rich man, he had everything he needed and more. And Jesus is not your Savior if you don't have God. Yes, there be no heaven. Only the broad way that leads to destruction forever. And it's forever. That's hard to grasp for me. To think that it's forever. Heaven is forever, but hell is forever. It's eternal. Oh, some seek the praise of men rather than the praise of God. We're warned about that in John chapter 12. It speaks about those in the afraid of the Pharisees in case they'd be put out of the synagogue. They, they sought more the glory of man and the praise of God rather than the glory or praise of God. They're more concerned about the praise of God than the praises. The praise, they're more concerned about the praise of man than the praise of God. Rather than standing alone in Christ, they sought more the praise of God. It can be a great snare, that fear of man. And at times, you know, we might hesitate because there's that sense of fear that can well up in us. Even in our witness or in our living for the Lord, sometimes we might notice that fear and not speak up as we should. We sang from that psalm, 146 psalm, Do not put your trusts in princes and mortal man who cannot save but trust in the Lord. Take up your cross. Deny yourself daily and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Moses, the man of faith. Yes, he was raised in Pharaoh's household. And yes, he was called by God. And we know what Moses said. Rather to be mistreated with the people of God than, suffer, than, than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season or for a short time. That struggle, yes, that Moses had when he could have had all the pleasures of, of Egypt. But... He chose rather to be treated with the people of God, that sure and certain place in heaven. There is a place, a place called heaven. And I'm sure all of you here today acknowledge that. I'm not thinking you don't acknowledge that, that there is a place. We look above and we are to look above. And you know, to be absent of the body, to be present with the Lord, the scriptures say, and to be where the Lord is in heaven. Like the thief on the cross, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Where Christ is. So the certainty of heaven, but also the certainty of heaven should be a cause for rejoicing as Christians. And that's what Jesus said here. The cause for Christian rejoicing. Is this your joy? Is this your rejoicing? What really makes you content? What really makes you happy or blessed? As you come for worship, what is your desire? Is there joy in your soul? Is there rejoicing in the Lord? Last week I took a a little picture, and uh, Mar- oh, Margaret took a picture. I sent it off to my friend in Sydney, <laughs> and uh, he sent the comment back, Jim, you should smile. So I didn't have a very good smile on my face, I guess, when we got it. 
But I sent him back and said, well, you know, you can be happy without a smile on your face. You know, sorrowful yet rejoicing. It's not the smile, but is there a smile in your soul? Is it in here? Your contentment and your joy in the Lord. We are to sing the songs of Zion. We sing the praise of God from the Psalms. And we rejoice in our God. And yes, we are to sing. But also there's a warning. In one of the old hymns we used to sing, I think, was, Let him refuse to sing who never knew the Lord. Let him refuse to sing who never knew the Lord. But we know the Lord and we rejoice in him. If you truly know him as a Christian, you rejoice in the Lord. You're a child of faith. You're a child of God. Your citizenship is in heaven. You belong to the Lord. You're born again by the Spirit and you see the kingdom of God. You're born again by the Spirit and you enter the kingdom of God. That's the blessing we have as those who are in Christ, who believe in him, born again into the family of God, and rejoice into the people of God, knowing Christ is your Savior. Even as Jesus says here, yes, to rejoice in him. Acknowledging him. Knowing we have this place in the Lord and trusting in him. Disciples came back excited. Yes, cause for rejoicing. The power of God was there. But Jesus reminds them about Satan. How Satan was proud and he fell. And that they too were to be careful. Not to be high-minded. Not to think that they were so great. Not to be proud. Pride can be quite a snare not to boast in themselves. Not to say, look at me. I am a wonderful Christian. Not to say, look at me. I've done great things. Look at me. I need to be recognized. Look at me. We're such a great family of God. Caution. Caution, Jesus says. Never, less, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You see, they were greatly gifted. And God does gift his church. He gives us spiritual gifts. Each one of his people who are his have a spiritual gift. Some are more than others. Some are greatly gifted. But you see, it's not the gifts so much as the grace. The grace of God in Christ. It's God's grace. It's God's grace. Doing things, yes, by the grace of God. Remember, your rejoicing should be directed to God because God is the one who ordains the means to do these things and God is the one who ordains the end of all things. It is God who needs all the praise and glory. He is the one who is to be praised. Oh yes, our names are written in heaven if we belong to him. We belong to God. Our contentment is in God. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And it's great to look at the church and see the things that God's people can do. It's by the power of God. And they've gifted people in so many ways. Some people who have been greatly gifted. If you don't, I don't know if you all remember 
Reverend Ted McDougall. He was in the church in the Western, Eastern charge, I'm sorry. And uh, I remember this past week, Bill Underhay and I were talking about Ted. Ted was a great reader, just a speed reader. He could uh, pick up a book and read it in no time. It's just, it was truly gifted, a gifted man, really a gifted man, but a humble man, a humble servant of the Lord. But also I remember an account in, in seminary. A friend of mine who was studying his doctorate at Westminster Seminary, they do a lot of, an awful lot of work uh, and do a lot of research on particular authors. And this one author, he had to study, but he couldn't find anything on this author at all. And uh, he talked to one of his friends who was also in the same program. And this guy said, yes, I do remember reading a footnote about that man in one of the books I read some time ago. I thought, wow, he remembered the footnote, he remembered the man. I don't even read footnotes if I don't have to. But he remembered that. I thought, oh, man, who am I amongst here, you know? So there are some people that are so gifted in so many ways, you know. And, but the Lord, and the Lord does that. And see, if we're gifted, we should humbly admit it's the Lord who does it for us. It's not in us. We're just wretched sinners. And he uses sinners like us to proclaim his glorious gospel. We should be humbled. And we ought to be humbled. Because that's what we are. See, it's the amazing grace of God who saved a wretch like me. A humble child of faith rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing because her names are written in heaven. See, to live as Christ, to die is gain. To depart, to be with Christ is better by far. The blessing we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace gets you to heaven. Gifts do not get you to heaven. It's the grace of God that gets us to heaven. So that's what Jesus is really saying here to these disciples. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The rich man was gifted. He was wealthy. He had all kinds of clothing, more than he needed. He had all kinds of food, more than he needed. And yes, he's in agony in hell. Lazarus. Oh yes, what a humble situation. Dogs came and licked his sores. He's in heaven. Comforted by God. Oh, we are to give glory to God. Not our success. It's God's work. One of the most dangerous places I think a person can be in is when you're getting praise from man. There's success. Things are going really well. And you're getting the praise of man. There's danger there. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Be careful. Because pride can slip into our deceitful hearts so quickly. We're to be humble. What is it to be humble? Well, that's a good question. But we're to be humble. We are to have the attitude of Christ. Read Philippians. Have the same attitude of Jesus. Who being of the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being found in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became beaten unto death, even death on the cross. Our Lord Jesus Christ, 
we are to have that attitude as Christians, as followers of Christ. Yes, we rejoice in the blessings that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ, but in all humility, later on in Luke's Gospel, in the 70 chapters, a small parable there about a man who's working in the fields. He comes in from the fields, uh, and his master doesn't say, sit down, relax, but hey, prepare a meal for me. What will he do? Will he prepare a meal for him? And then it says at the end about this servant, he is only unworthy servant. He only does his duty. That's what you're to say in the end after it's all said and done. I'm an unworthy servant. I've only done my duty. Humility before our God. James reminds us. I often think of those verses in James chapter 4. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, you sinners, and purify your... Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Grieve, mourn, and wail? What? Yes, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Not yourself, but God will lift you up. He will bless. He will bless as we rejoice in him. And Paul says in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. What do we rejoice in? In ourselves? No, rejoice in the Lord, he puts in there. Rejoice in the Lord. It's in the Lord we rejoice. We look to him. We rejoice in him. Rejoice in the Lord. Not so much your successes. And we thank God for the successes. We don't ignore those. We are to do good works. But we give him the glory. That our names are written in heaven. Oh yes, the certainty of heaven. And our cause for rejoicing is that our names are written in heaven. So are you rejoicing? Is your home in heaven? Or you're more concerned about your place here or your things here, whatever it might be. Jesus did caution disciples. Causing, and he's cautioning each one of us. Even the little ones or the younger ones here. Some of those things that you really like. Are you happy to share them with somebody else and content that they can have fun with them as well? And even maybe the older people are you hanging on to things that I'll never give this up because it's something I really want to hold on to? Well, maybe it's okay, but is it more important than heaven? Are these things more important than heaven? Oh yes, there's caution in this passage. In the words of Christ, we're to check our own souls as we come before our God. Don't check your gift list or your trophies as such. But check your soul before God. How is your soul doing when you think about the Lord? What will it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? The rich man had everything, didn't he? What will you give in exchange for your soul, Jesus says? 
the challenges before us. I'm even challenged, you know, when you read that about the rich man, he had everything he needed. We're pretty well off, you know. We're eating sumptuously. We are. I got, that's something I remember Ted McDougall saying, you know, he was preaching one time, it's so long ago, I remember what he said, we're all rich here, he says. He was comparing that to the other place in the world where they, you know, there's starvation, you know, and so on. You, you know the picture. But you know, what about your soul this morning? I'm going to ask a couple of questions. These are questions that uh, we had several years ago. I took a course in evangelism explosion. That's just uh, studying, witnessing and going from house to house and sharing the gospel or wherever you were to share the gospel. And there's a couple of questions that we could use if you got a person in a situation where they're interested to talk to you and you had an opportunity to share Christ, you would ask a couple of questions. And these are a couple of questions we kind of had in our memory to, to ask such. And the first question is about heaven, of course. Have you come to the place in your spiritual life where you know for certain that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. Know for certain that if you would die today, you'd go to heaven. A challenging question. And another question following this says, suppose you were to die today and stand before God and God was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? There's only one answer. Not your gifts. It's the grace of God in Christ that he saves sinners like us. But what would you say? Yes, only in Christ, our only hope. We don't look to him. Oh yes, there are struggles here. In Psalm 116, it's kind of interesting, we read that psalm, the first few verses there in that psalm, the psalmist was in a hard place. You see, Lazarus is in a hard place, he ended up in heaven. The psalmist is in a hard place in Psalm 116. We read, just reading those verses from the scriptures, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice, heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me, I called on him as long, I will call on him as long as I live. In the hard place, in verse 3, it says, the cords of death entangled me. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. The struggle, the battle, a real struggle. Then I called on the Lord, O Lord, save me. The humble words of the psalmist. And we see that throughout the psalms, in the scriptures. Those who humble themselves, who seek the Lord, the Lord hears, the Lord answers. Remember Lazarus, as I said, soars, but he is now in a comfortable place, isn't he? You know, 
Our light a momentary afflicts are working for us in eternal glory. The far away them all, Paul says. Our names are written in heaven. The blessing we have. You see, where your treasures, that's where your heart will be also. Oh, the struggles are real. There was a missionary that uh, was involved with our church. We supported briefly, I think. His name was David Strumbeck. And one of the correspondence that he sent, I still remember the correspondence, the word he said was, better to struggle here than to take it easy and go down the road to nowhere. In other words, better to struggle and seek the Lord than go take it easy and go down the road to nowhere. Oh yes, we rejoice in our God. Humbly seeking to serve him, knowing that we are unworthy of nothing, but he has blessed us with eternal blessings, with a heavenly home. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Is that you today? Really, is that you today? Is heaven your home? Only because Jesus is your Savior.